All right, welcome back to Rockstock Channel. It is Friday, February 2nd, uh, 8.30 in the morning, uh, but 9.30 p.m. Perth time. We have uh, the privilege of having, for the first time, Trent Barnett, a uh, sell-side analyst at Yoraz Hartley's, um, who just put out a uh, significant note. Uh, lithium prices are too low. We're going to flash this up here. Uh, and he was making some arguments on uh, a number of the spodumene producers and their recovery rates and their cash costs versus their all-in sustaining costs. So we're going to get into that in, in a bit. Um, Yoraz Hartley is a uh, Perth-based broker. Uh, Trent, you could fill us in a little bit uh, on that, but uh, you cover personally, you know, Pilbara, um, Winsome Resources, European Metals Holdings. Uh, I think you and your colleagues cover Minres and Patriot and Azure and Wildcat. So a lot of... Um, you know, the interesting, hot, you know, newsworthy uh, hard rock stories um, in uh, in Western Australia, you know, and in Quebec. And then, you know, and again, European Metals Holdings, which is a, a company not hasn't been uh, too much news in there, but we, we want to, um, you know, pick your brain about that name as well. Before we start today's video, we'd like to thank Lithium Royalty Corp, listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange, ticker symbol LIRC. We'll share more later in the video. But, but first, let's kind of get into your note. But before doing that, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and about, you know, Yoraz Hartley's. I, I met you in 2018 when I was visiting Kidman, Altura, and uh, Pilbara. And I think you or someone else kind of tipped me on Minres back then. So I've been a happy shareholder in, in Minres, you know, since 2018. Uh, but I think you were only Hartley's at the time and Yoraz was a, like a separate company. So... Uh, why don't I just give us your background, the background of Euros Hartley's, and then let's kind of get into your note. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's right. I've been, a, I guess, a mining analyst since around 2008, so a bit over 15 years. Um, covered lithium stocks for a long time, so I think the first lithium stock I ever covered was um, General Mining. I don't know if you remember that one. That was the uh, Mount Catlin JV. Galaxy. Back in, that's right, Galaxy. That was back in 20, late for 2015, early 2016. So that sort of kicked off the, the restart of the whole cycle. And then uh, I think the next stock I covered was Pilbara. And that was um, way back when it was uh, still still really an explorer or, or still defining and, and defining the resource back in 20, early 2016. Um, yeah, so that, like I said, I joined, um, on the, I was on the Hartley side. Back then we did a merger with Euros in 2020 so now we're we're one of the biggest um we're, we're a mining specialist uh sell side broker really australian based uh, i think we're the biggest in perth we've got a big um institutional following and a big um uh retail advisor network uh and like, like i said we're specialists we're specialist mining mining uh stock analysts okay great so uh yeah, you've been there for um, you know, since the early days, and uh, you, your name keeps coming up in a lot of the capital raises. Uh, Canaccord, you know, had owned the space for a long time and still does in, in, in a lot of ways. But uh, I've seen Yoraz Hartley's show up as joint manager on uh, a number of the capital raises over the past kind of couple of years. Uh, we could talk about the uh, financing environment um, as well as part of this kind of conversation. But uh, let's start. We'll flash up your note here. I think you said, uh, you know, lithium prices are too low. So why don't you just like talk through your, um, 
your rationale, you know, in this note and, and, and what does that mean? You did lower your, I think, medium term lithium price forecasts, but you've maintained your long term ones. Uh, and why don't you highlight what those numbers are in addition to the commentary in your note? Yep, yep, sure. So I guess um, being a mine house for a very long time, we like to look at the the, re the real cash, so the, the cost the cost that the company is delivering on a on a total cost basis. And this is this goes back to the, the lesson learned, I think, in um, the iron ore sector back in 2014, 15, 16, when there was an idea of what cash costs were out of the Pilbara, but the reality was the um, the uh, the actual cost costs were were substantially higher. And it took a long time for the market to realise that, um, you know, running an industry in the below fifty dollars cash costs was not well. Uh, iron ore price was not going to be profitable, and ever since then the um, iron ore price has averaged, you know, around hundred dollars a ton. And we sort of have this idea because we we're very close to the companies and we and we have an idea of what the what the real costs are. Uh, we've we we used to do that. At Michael Scanbury, one of our analysts, has been doing that for quite a long time on the gold sector. Just uh, doing the you know the actual cash cost there. So now that we've got a reasonable lithium sector, we've done the we've done the same thing. So this is not this is not um, trying to look at what the what the companies say the costs are. This is the true operating costs out of the company divided by how much production they've made. And when you run that through uh, a lot of the producers in in the December quarter, those costs are, are near a thousand or well above a thousand. Um, and so that, that doesn't mean they can't get the costs down, just like the iron ore sector back in 2015, 2016, the costs do come down. It's just how much they have to come down um, and, and whether they can come down. So, so our idea is at the moment that the, and we're seeing it, I guess, across some of the producers already, they're, they're turning off or they're shrinking production, um, which, which is highlighting that the sector isn't particularly profitable. Uh, so you know, so that that's how that's how we think about the margins. They're not quite there to make the the, the, the sector profitable. So, so our, our idea is um, to, to make you know, if, that, if those December costs of over a thousand dollars US a ton uh, are there, then you're going to have to be a profitable industry. We need some obviously something higher than that, and then to justify the capital, we're going to need something higher than that as well. So our long run numbers around sixteen twenty five. Uh, that that to us says the industry can 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 grow because as as you guys know more than anyone the the growth you know the, the current the current supply coming out of the end industry in the December quarter is nowhere near what we need to have next year the year after the year after and the year after that so we need to repay the capital not just um, cover the costs. So okay, sixteen twenty five is still quite low uh, relative to some. Um, you know, thought out there that if, you know, 2000 or 2500 um, is, is more likely needed for the incentive price. That's, he, that's right. We don't spend enormous amount of time thinking of what is the, um, we're a sales side broker, so we want to put something that is generally accepted as well, rather than what is um, what is a, a true forecast, if that makes sense. So it's, it's, it's to put something in that we think is reasonable and reasonably accepted. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a reasonable answer that the incentive price to to really get the sector going again is that is that two thousand dollars a ton uh, number or, or perhaps higher because because we can see at the moment you touched on the on the um, ability to to raise capital. I mean the the, the lithium prices at the moment the, the the secondary capital market is obviously very difficult. Sort of what 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 price do we need the spodumene price at to justify the returns to put the capital back in? 
I sort of think that 1500, 1600 is the bare minimum. A lot of projects look all right on that measure, but but they only look all right to make them super attractive to sort of have another flood of capital come back in a, in a rush of supply come back on. You're going to need that $2,000 number to make the returns look sort of exceptional rather than just good enough. I think your research note shows that like core shouldn't be turned back on unless the price is 2000 that's that's right we don't cover core but that's right i mean that's and they we don't want to get too caught up in what costs could be we're just looking at what the costs actually were so on the basis that the companies aren't going to improve costs substantially that's right the, the uh that the price has to be substantially higher for it to turn back on um and you know management companies they do all they can to to reduce costs and they have a lot of levers to to, to push but over a very long time of covering the sector, you know, we, we like to, as you know, we don't, we don't necessarily like to say, well, these are what the costs are definitely going to be. But we like to have a, an idea that whatever companies recently delivered is, is probably a reasonably good guess of what the, what the future costs are going to be. But that, that's right. And I think that's why maybe something that's a bit interesting for the sector is that uh, you know, there's now there's there's probably going to be a reasonable supply that can turn back on and get digested as as the spot remain rebound price rebounds. So that you know that fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred, eighteen hundred, two thousand, there's probably there probably is a, there is some supply that can come back on. You know, so maybe we have a little bit of a cap for a couple of years um, as as the supply gets digested. What 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 do you think? I want to put up this chart that you have. You have, you know, Core, Cyana, Sigma, which you don't cover either, uh, Pilbara, you know, and then IGO for Greenbushes. You're basically showing, um, you know, the re company reported cost and Euros Hartley's estimated of total cash costs. So um, both Core and Cyana were in kind of like ramp up mode. So yeah. is it fair to, you know, say that these are, it's going to be their long-term cause. I, I know that the companies say that, you know, over time, yeah. but, uh, you know, Sigma as well as in ramp up, like those three companies are in ramp up, but you're even saying like Pilbara has costs, which are higher than, you know, the current price, right? It's above yeah, a thousand, yeah. but, but they're That's reporting right. their reported costs are like 500. So what is yeah. the difference between let's say Pilbara, which, um, looks to be profitable and, and they're ramping up, uh, you know, they're not slowing down at all. Um, yeah. why is such a big difference? Uh, it's just, it's just what the numbers are. So that, that like for a Pilbara, we take the, um, the, the operating cash flow that comes out of that, that, uh, that waterfall chart, we add some sustaining capex that they disclose and then we divide it by the production. So it's, it's the actual cash that they spent on operating the, the, um, the company, so it's not just the mine, it's operating the, the company, uh, divided by the production number. So so, so often companies, are, I don't know exactly what, how Pilbara de, uh, determines their own um, mine operating costs, but we see it across the mining cycle and sector all the time. There's a difference between how the company thinks about costs at the mine site versus how the company, or, or the, the, the costs to run the company, if that makes sense. And, and, and sometimes they're substantially different. Sometimes it's a timing difference if, you know, particularly if you um, uh, have a, you know, if, if some of the, 
production hasn't quite been turned into a finished product. It might be still in circuit or something. It, 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 it mightn't um, get counted exactly right, but that's 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 what it is. Now, uh, the, we have to talk to the companies, I guess, in terms of what is the the, the makeup of those differences, but doing mining sector analysis for you know over 15 years, it's not surprising that there's a difference between what companies say the costs are and what the, the true costs to run the company are. It's, it's not, it's not, we're not suggesting there's a misleading thing there, it's just the way the companies think about mine sites versus the total cost of the, of the, of the company. And I, I guess from, as an equity analyst, we're interested in the profitability of the company if you're pulling levers on the um, at mine sites in terms of, of uh, how profitable the mine is, that's often how the companies are thinking about it. Does that, does that make sense? Does it, and and, the, and the, the idea that it's a substantial difference is um, not uncommon. Like I said, if we go back to the iron ore industry when the, there was an idea that the um, operating costs were around $50, 50 to $60 for some of the, the third-tier uh, producers, in in actual fact, when you when you did the side analysis at, at that time as well, the costs were you know closer to a hundred dollars. Now those costs ended up coming down, but but the industry was very unprofitable. Uh, it went through a um, reasonably short, I guess, cycle of unprofitability in mine closures, and then and then the, and then and the, all the analysts were very negative on the iron ore price because they were more interested in the disclosed costs. So in theory, the, the industry was very profitable back then because disclosed costs said everyone could make a margin. And then, and then as time marched on, that industry has shown time and time again for the last 10 years that in actual fact that, that, that um, you, know, you need an average of around $100 a tonne for the iron ore industry to be pretty profitable. So we just think it's the same idea with the lithium sector. The, the idea of what the costs are for producing mines is a lot different to what the actual costs of producing mines are, and, and, and therefore there's going to be a change in, there'll be a, a change in what the idea of long-term spodumene prices are, because it's such a new industry, it's just not it's not uh, developed enough to sort of have a long-term, you know, look at the long-term average of the spodumene price or the chemicals prices. It doesn't really make sense. If that makes sense, there's no. There's no floor that it always bounces off. There's no top that it always bounces off. We think of other commodities that we have a, everyone has a better sense of the range of what the copper is meant to bounce between high and lows and on a, on a continuous uptrend. The iron oil prices like that, the zinc prices like that, lead prices like that, the oil prices like that. The, the lithium um, market has no idea. So we're trying to, you know, I, I sort of think the sell side is, is where we started back in 2015. We all started on what the costs of green bushes. Let's take that and make them a little bit worse um, for for the next mines that went into production, and then and then we're you know we're gradually winding up to work out what is the what is the uh, operating cost of a of a of a lithium mine in the you know not not a green bushes mine but a lithium mine you know the one and a half percent to one percent um, grade LITO. And we're trying to, you know, we're trying to work out what is that, what is that cost? And I think the, 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 the you know, the market sort of got a misunderstanding of what that cost is. And it's not, we're not, we're not negative on the industry. It's just the fact of, it's just the fact of how the industry operates. And, and a big part of that, like you said, is on the recovery side. Uh, the, the recoveries, other than um, a few mines, are, you know, they continually disappoint.
in your note, the recoveries you were saying are like more like 50 to 55%, not the 70 to 75% that uh, the feasibility studies say they're supposed to be. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, we, like, like I've said, we covered Pilbara for, for a very long time. Uh, and uh, Pilbara is an excellent operation. They do extremely well. They know exactly what they're doing, but the recoveries, you know, they're not, they're not plus 70, they're sub 70. And that, and that's, that's, that's uh, not necessarily a, in any way a failure. That's, that's getting out the tons and making and optimizing the profitability of the, of the mine. But that's, that's how, that's how Pilbara runs. Um, you know, some of the ramp ups that we've talked about, which have been a, a little bit disappointing. The recoveries are substantially lower than that. Um, a, as you know, there's not, not a lot of expertise uh, in how to run, uh, you know, how, how to mine, how to run a, uh, a, a splodge and main mine. So uh, most operations, all operations, when they start in any commodity, are, are sort of learning how that whole body works, or definitely learning how that whole body works. In lithium, a lot of people are learning how lithium works on top of the ore body. So it's, it's not in no way is it negative around the sec sector or the industry or, or the people in it. It's just a fact that that these things uh, disappoint, and and that's going to be a disappointment. You know, it's a disappointment on costs, and it's a different. It'll be a disappointment on supply, and then those two things will will work in a circular way to be an even bigger disappointment on supply, and then and then we're going to get a, a bigger shortfall earlier than I think people people think. Jumping in here from the editing room to tell you about Lithium Royalty Corp. Lithium Royalty Corp is at the center of a global energy transition and manages a globally diversified portfolio of lithium-focused royalties in electrification and decarbonization. With 32 royalties on 29 higher-grade, lower-cost projects from exploration to production, LIRC covers all the bases with well-managed risk, ESG considerations, and a scalable royalty structure. Lithium Royalty Corp is traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange ticker symbol LIRC. To find out more, visit lithiumroyaltycorp.com. I'm having a look at trend at your um, the longer term pricing. Uh, to be honest, I, I'm struggling a little bit with where I don't know how you can have sort of a spodumen price at 14.25 and then have carbonate and hydroxide at 14.4. I, how many tons are you assuming go in, and then what's your opex or whatever? Is that a break even, or is that your estimate I think on that's price? A, that's about that's about break even. So okay. uh, you know that, that and makes that, that's, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That, and that, and that's right. And that, and that's uh, you guys have a much better understanding of it. And we're, we're trying to be conservative. We're, we're, like I said, we're sell side analysts. We want our numbers to be too low and get upgraded over time. That's the best. The best outcome as an analyst and oh, the best driver. After, of the last year, <laughs> after last year, we'd agree right. with you. But yeah. yeah, so I mean, what 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 would you say? Because again, I think this is going to come up on a China ex China basis. What is a reasonable yeah. operating margin for a converter in China, in your mind? Uh, I mean, I, I have I have no superstar insight. Of it, they've got to repay the capital, so that that idea of three to five thousand dollars a ton sounds reasonable to me. Um, but we just don't. I guess that's what the industry is trying to work out: is that is that industry going to be profitable, or is it going to be unprofitable? And and I guess we go back to that idea of iron ore. The steel industry was very unprofitable for a long time as that sector grew out. Was the iron ore miners were profitable? So I, I, I don't. Um, 
you know, but so I, so I think in the long run number, we do like about eight times to, to, to factor in recovery. And I think I do three or $4,000 as a margin on top of that to get to that long run number. And uh, so, I mean, the, the big issue that we face now is, so we agree with you. I, I flagged this whole issue of course that the one-to-one -one in terms of where reality is versus what you look at, because you've only got to look at the cash flows to know the truth. Yeah, that's right. Um, is how is it then that ultra low grade lipidolite in China is being touted as break even around 11, 12, $13,000 a ton when the grades are extremely low and, you know, they've got to deal with impurities and so on. Is that realistic? It doesn't, it doesn't appear to be realistic. The cost of to mine pro, mine spodumene and process it if that's if that's substantially more expensive than a pit like that doesn't intuitively make make any sense. Uh, I don't know what what the answer is. We don't travel to the pit like mines and have a look at it. Um, I just sort of assume that what makes the most sense to me is that China is is trying to uh, you know shore up its own supply chain in the medium term, and part of that is to is to make sure it has its domestic supply, and that, I think that's a bit of bit of a problem for the industry at the moment. Is that if China isn't uh, buying, then who is buying? And that where is the big demand out of um, Europe and big demand out of the USA? That 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 those markets are you know they, we're going back to to when we started looking at um, Mount Katmon all those years ago, where the Chinese market was very very small. You know the, the international market is very very small, and if the Chinese aren't buying it right now. We're waiting for that international market to grow, um, which which you know, seems a certainty because it, you know unless Europe and the USA are going to let China dominate electric vehicles, they're going to have to integrate a um, a supply chain. So on on that topic, if you look at the capex costs per ton installed, ex China versus China, the differential is enormous. So, you know, is there a case for some kind of a bifurcation in pricing or some kind of, a, I guess, a rebate into the whole IRA subsidies or others? Because most of the capex outside of China is at least 30,000 a ton and in China is sub 10. So how do, you, how do we get our heads around that? Well, this is the, uh, this is the problem with bifurcated market, isn't it? That, that some people are going to have to pay more than other people. Uh, that's that's just how it's, it's going to have to happen, and, and obviously we're not doing the bifurcation of the markets isn't due to uh, economics; it's strategic reasons. So that's the cost we all have to pay for the for um, a bifurcation in the in the economies. I guess that that's just the reality of it. And I think maybe that the um, you know it's it's worse than that as well because the Europeans and the US, which are running on a an assumption that the mines will bring the supply into on the basis of economics, when you look at the costs and the capex and everything at the moment, we need very high prices to get it on, even if on, on a normal planning schedule, which which is slow and, and that makes equity investors impatient and they want you know, they, they want certainty, etc. If you if if the uh, Europeans and US want a rushed supply, which presumably they will at some point because because it won't be enough, then the, price, the incentive price has to be substantially higher. We agree. The price, the incentive price, has to be, you know, that we use sixteen twenty-five, like I said, because that's a 
a sensible price that most people say that's that's fine. I mean, I don't, if we if we run all our models at 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 what the long run incentive price is, everyone says, "Oh, can you just run that again on a, on on a more sensible number or what they consider a more sensible number?" So I guess um, just in terms of that X China China and the cost differential incentives, then how does one you know do OEMs then need to manufacture and export out of China to compete in rest of world markets? How do they sort of tackle the EV debate there? Because that's looks like if China overtook Japan as the biggest exporter of cars last year, there was a yeah. million EVs. I think this year, looking at the growth projections and targets of the EV companies in China, that number could be two for exports yeah. this year. Yep, uh, and that's right. I'm, I'm not an auto analyst, but when we look at our end of the, you know, the, in that end of the market, you'd say that the Chinese have are going to control the um, EV market, and they're going to control the global fleet of cars. So that 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 is the conclusion from where we are right right now, unless the rest of the world catches up. Um, and you know, we, we look at all those um, slide decks of gigafactories getting built around the world. That that's great. But when you look at the slide decks for the um, chemical processing, the um, cathode production, you know, that they don't necessarily match up with the gigafactories, I don't think. Uh, and I don't, you know, and that uh, to me, that's the next massive wave in the lithium prices when, when they, when that part of the supply chain outside China gets built and commissioned, and then there's, this, you know, there's effectively a shortfall of feedstock into that. It'll, it'll be, it'll be just like. What happened in China between 2020 and, and 2024, when there was a big build out of conversion and there wasn't the feedstock? I assume the same thing will happen in in the USA and, and Europe. Otherwise, it'll be you know otherwise um, the Chinese will control that you know they'll control the front end of the um, which means they control the um, performance of the car, which means they control where the consumer wants to buy the car, which means they control you know all the things around cars and autos. In the Western world, I, I mean, how, how do you think about? It? Do you think that's a fair? Yeah, yeah. I mean, idea? it's it's. Uh, we think it's uh, it it. You know, it's a tough. It's a tough set of facts to look at. Um, yeah. It feels like the rest of world is just going to be split up amongst the Chinese producers. It's going to be very difficult, I think, to compete. Um, and. Um, yeah, on the cathode side, this is, you know, we, we've raised this, you know, everyone raced to the very downstream of EV manufacturing cells. And then you've got Redwood, hopefully, that gets up for the cathode in, in the US uh, and it's going to use some recycled material. But uh, I sort of wonder, Trent, on some level, you know, I understand their jobs and I understand there's repercussions on all these things, but it comes at a at an enormous price. What do you mean there? Like the um... so the cost of, of competing in all of those levels and the subsidies and the RA and all of yep. the factoring in of those, it's, it comes at an enormous price to keep your auto market domestic in in the US. Yep, no, that's that's right. And um, Australia is a small country. We spent a long time trying to subsidise an auto industry. Uh, it took decades and decades and decades, and in the end, the cost was was not worthwhile doing. Uh, that was a sort of different geopolitical idea, I guess. And we're a much smaller country, but 
that's right, the, co the cost of subsidising industries that are competing against a different cost structure is enormous. And the Australian industry was tiny, tiny, tiny for Australia and, and obviously globally. But, but it comes down to that. This is the whole thing, isn't it, really, whether it's a, of strategic importance to have a, um, a non-China car industry or not. I mean, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't, like I said, I'm not an auto guy, I'm not a consumer guy, I'm not a defence guy. I don't know whether it is or not. I read some stuff which it is because electric vehicles will be more, you know, Internet of Things and more connected and therefore knowing what's in the car and controlling the car is more important, but, but maybe it isn't. But I, 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 I don't know the answer. But, but at the moment, it, the, it, the, you know, the trends, the trends for China to, to dominate it because they dominate the, um, the chemistry. In the U.S. and Europe, I mean, the car industries are huge compared to like yeah. Australia. We, yeah. we, we can't, we're not going to let that die. Um, yeah. The question is, um, are we going to be, is the rest of the world going to go electric and we're, and are we going to just like have cheap ice vehicles and big trucks um, yeah. a lot longer? Um, you know, a lot of this is politics. You know, China had... We're in year nine, in 2015, they had their made in 2025, you know, strategy of which EVs and batteries was a big component. And here we are, you know, that's, I, I joked about this. I don't know if I joked on a video, but to one of the things I've been saying, the, the GM, you know, built this electric car, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. And then there was this movie, who killed the electric car um, and who killed the electric car. It might be a democracy. You know, yeah. in America, when you have Trump, you know, then Biden, you know, Obama, you know, just back and forth, every administration, if you're GM and you're Ford and they're political actors, which way is the wind blowing? Um, and then if you want to have an ex-China supply, you know, we're hearing that like the IRA uh, in theory was like a great thing, you know, we're subsidized, you know, but, you know, the number of cars that actually qualify for it, you know, if you're trying to buy ex-China, right? Um, fewer qualify, but yeah. buying X China means you're paying more because yeah. China has everything the cheapest. So, and then the cost of EVs are too expensive in America, right? Right. And, and China's subsidizing or the, the government, you know, organizes, you know, it has efficient, you know, kind of EV charging stations. Like in America, you know, the government, you know, does some EV charging and then some private companies do the EV charging. I saw a motion, um, uh, presentation earlier this week wh where they said like the government charging stations, you know, 40, 50% of the time are like not working, right? Private ones are working. Like, so in America, government doesn't do things, you know, super efficiently, you know, when they do. Um, but, uh, there are incentives for the private sector. There, there have been incentives, you know, for processing, you know, lithium, but, you know, Jigger Shah hasn't, you know, written a check yet. You know, permitting is a problem. So like, like this whole bifurcation is okay, great. But like, you know, China is going to have a competitive advantage because they've, they've had this kind of government coordinated, you know, plan for, for 10 years. Uh, Elon Musk is basically saying, you know, his competitors, the next nine are Chinese. It's not like the incumbent OEMs. So lithium is very much was several years ago a china focused story right in the last few years it became a diversified us and european story as well but i feel like it's shifting again we ought to focus yeah. on like what's happening in china right and it's it's byd it's uh, geely it's li auto uh, it, you know their ambitions are great and they're making cheap cars and they have cheap lithium um 
at the moment. Uh, one thing that this feels like, Rodney and I started this podcast, uh, you know, five years ago, and there was this whole idea that like all these like spodumene mines came on the stream in 2018, 2019, and there was this oversupply of lithium. And now there's the narrative that, that there's an oversupply of lithiums coming from you know, lipidolite, you know, in China or Africa, DSO. But we argued back then, you know, in 2018, that there was an under demand a, a bit, right? Because China changed kind of the subsidy. I'm feeling now that there has been an under demand in 2023 and even right now, following a massive over demand in battery production and cathode production. And uh, I'll flash up here. I saw Robert Friedland tweeted, you know, something, um, you know, from the FT, which kind of just showed a certain Chinese industry and the growth. And you, you could see like battery growth, just like it was really hockey stick. Um, and I have a, another note from, from Daiwa, which just shows this like percentage increase in battery manufacturing. Uh, and a lot of the lithium there's an oversupply of batteries and there's a lot of lithium in those batteries. And that's the kind of like destocking that's taken place. So there has been an under demand as well as, you know, this rats and mice supply from China lipidolite, you know, and the like. We have about uh, five to 10 minutes here. Could you talk about, um, you know, your stock picks, uh, Winsome Resources, uh, European Metals Holdings, you know, Pilbara, and then I also, just want to dig a little bit more deeply into that iron ore analogy because I've made an argument that Pilbara at like 10 or 12 million billion market cap, you know, could be the new force in lithium, like FMG was the new force in iron ore. And FMG is now like a 50 billion market cap company. So the trajectory of Pilbara over a five year time frame could be still, you know, another five bagger from here, in my opinion. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but, uh, Companies like Winsome, like European Metals Holdings, which are kind of strategic for Europe, you know, potentially for North America, uh, just, but the stock prices are, are just like crazy low at the moment. The market's not giving them any credit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we like Pilbara. It's got a, it's got obviously got a very strong balance sheet, so so it can go for a long time. Um, in a week, lithium price. Uh, the management team, like they said on the call, I mean, they, they, they've been in bear markets before. Um, they know they don't last forever and they know that, um, opportunities, um, jump up in bear markets where, where, where other companies that are either in development and can't get the capital or uh, get into trouble because they have debt and can't service it, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, uh, or, or just the expiration ground where people aren't looking over things anymore. So I, I think, um, Phil was very well positioned to you know, maybe do some inorganic growth, and that that that, that can add some lot of value. Uh, you know, what, what is Pilbara worth? It's worth what 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 spodumene number you want to put into it. Really, realistically, if you if you put a big number in, it's worth a lot. If you put in a low number, in it it's not worth as much. Um, but it's a you know within the, the lithium space, it's definitely a, a safe stock because they know how to run mines and they have a balance sheet that lets them lets them last as long as this sort of bear market and lithium is going to last. Um, yeah, Winsome, I mean, it's, it's you know, maybe it just missed the, the peak of enthusiasm in terms of the timing of the resource and maybe that, that's, uh, you know, people maybe may are not aware of how, how big that deposit is. Uh, I guess, like, like we was talking about before, 
the um, the idea that the market's switching back to what where you know to Chinese demand and not as focused on North American demand means that the, the product's less easy to be sold and developed. So so that you know if you if you're which is not our view at all. Like we said before, we think the North American has to build out a, a supply chain. So Winston is, um, you know, that that is a ridiculously low EV for for what the um, what the deposit looks like. Uh, and European metals. I mean, as we know, Europe is not a um, not particularly well endowed in uh, lithium. Uh, so EMH is an unconventional project. It's a it's a um, Unlike a unlike a project, it's in the in Czech. It's it's very big. It's very well advanced. It's got a good partner. Um, market says it'll it'll you know the market implies that it's not going to get developed, but uh, that that really says that again that the Europeans are never going to have uh, meaningful domestic uh, lithium supply. Which well, I don't think you know I don't think that that has changed. That they they're going to have to have some way or another some form of domestic supply. And this is the largest hard rock in Europe. It was, it was labeled strategic, I think, by the European yep. Commission. Yep. Um, you know, the Czech prime minister, you know, visited, uh, they got a loan from the EBRD. I'm yep. sorry, they got an equity investment from the EBRD. But, um, you know, nothing moves fast in Europe. But, uh, you know, when you look at the landscape of Europe, you know, it's partnered with, Chez, I mean, look, we're shareholders and advisors to the company, so we're biased here. But um, our observation is just that news flow is is slow, right? Like Europe is, um, you know, and, and Volkswagen have slowed down, you know, a bit. They were going to have six battery factories. Now they're going to have three. Uh, they're slowing down on the spin out of their IPO of their battery company in the same way that Renault did. But do you hear any rumblings of, you know, any near-term, you know, change in in Europe or just vis-a-vis -vis this project? I know that their DFS was supposed to be out at the end of last quarter, and now it's um, you know being pushed to sometime this quarter. But uh, any any insights further uh, on this name? Not not really. Like I say, it, it's it's been slow moving. Um, but you know, if 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 customers need that that product. Uh, is going to have to get built. There's not you know, unless unless people are going to, unless the the um, potential users are going to do import lithium from elsewhere, which they're going to have to do as well. But if you know, the 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 the, the, um, the auto guy that says, well, we're going to have we're going to develop this project and have um, domestic some form of domestic supply, is then um, it's an integrated producer. It has the best potential advantage versus like we talked about the Chinese before. They're not they won't be reliant on 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 as much logistics, they won't be reliant on um, the third party. Potentially, it's it's much more integrated, um, secure supply chain. So, I, I think I think it has to happen. But it's that timing, a bit like what we talked about before, that the Europeans and the Americans are well behind on the um, chemicals and where they're going to get them from. And at some point, it'll 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 flip or crack and. And there'll be a mad rush to get these things done, and and I think EMH fits into that. So I don't I don't know when it's going to happen, but it'd be very surprising if you know if if, if the implied share price is right and it never happens. Okay, uh, just going back to iron ore, you said uh, I don't know what year it was, maybe 2015, where the market was, or the analysts were saying you know uh, 
the price was going to be like 50. You know, the, I think Goldman Sachs, you know, in 2015, some people are making fun uh, that, you know, this is you know, quite similar, their call on lithium versus their wrong call on iron ore back then. So if $50 is, um, you know, is that equivalent to like the $11,000 call uh, on, on carbonate prices for, you know, from Goldman? And if they're wrong about that, and, you know, iron ore's average, you know, a hundred is the argument that, you know, then carbonate should be 22,000 or twice the number that Goldman's predicting. It seems reasonable, actually. That's right. But I mean, we have to be fair to Goldman's. They caught it very well on the way down as well. They, they're very good. At what they spot do. on. Yeah. Don't listen to us. Don't listen to anybody else. Just listen to Goldman and you would have saved a lot of money, you know, That's right. or if you shorted, but made a lot of money. That's right, and they, and they, and, and we make well, I make heaps of mistakes as well. It's not not all we're saying is that um, but but the, the logic is right. The, the market the market has an idea of what the costs are and what returns are. And if you look at the reported costs of the lithium guys, and you say mm -hmm. you say well, if they're going to be running, if the industry can run with costs at five hundred dollars a ton and it's still a thousand, well, a thousand is a very good long term price. But if the costs are more like a thousand, a thousand is not not the right price. So. Yep, uh, and and as we know in um, in the sell side or markets in general, as as trades are going right, people get more and more excited by it, and they and they start out out calling each other on on the momentum, I guess, to they follow the momentum, and they keep um, bringing more and more targets that follow that trend, and eventually gets to a, a an overshoot and a ceiling number, and the logic doesn't make any sense. And I think that we are there with uh, you know we're, we're there with spot. I mean, the, that, that's right. We're sort of at the the $50 number where the industry and iron ore didn't make make money, that's the $1,000 tons bodgemine number. And, and uh, you know, the iron ore price since then averaged double that. And I, I think it makes sense that the bodgemine price averages double that because that comes back to that 2000 number, which, you know, most people, when they look at, do I want to put money into our lithium stock or not, they don't put it in unless they're running $1,500, $2,000 a tonne. Do you think we bottomed, or do you think we can go lower from here? Well, I, I've got. I don't. I don't know the answer because I'm not a lithium trader. I don't talk to the, the traders. I don't. Um, you know, in the short term, I just. I just don't know um, because I don't have a sense of what what that is. And we know that markets overshoot, and companies can lose money for. You know, there's no rule that says miners have to make money every day. They can lose money for a period of time. Um, so I can't. You know, I don't, I don't know that, but I just think in the long run, it makes no, you know, we can't have an industry that's meant to be growing substantially that loses money for a long period of time. And I think if we go back to that iron ore thing from memory, it was around, you know, 18 months, two years for the bounce back. And that's a, that was a, an industry that went oversupplied, I guess, because the demand side almost stopped growing. Uh, this is an industry which is going to oversupply because, like you said, there's a, there's a small catch up, but the demand side is still growing substantially. So, the, the period of time where the industry can be unprofitable is is should be quite short. So, when do you think we get back to two thousand dollars margin? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't want to. You know, it's it's a hard, it's a hard thing to, it's a hard thing to say. <laughs> I, I know. Because when you're on the spot, yeah. The, uh... What's your best guess? Is it this year, next year? Well, I guess the guess that everyone's happy to say that is a sensible idea is the end of the year, end of the calendar year. That's that's what everyone. I don't know what you think, but everyone that's a safe thing to say. Oh, I think it's going to happen by the end of the year. That 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 gives everyone a lot of time. 
the safe the safe thing to say, Trent, is to say the end of the year, just don't say which year. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but it could it could it could end up happening way faster because you know we are already seeing um, lines turn off. So people that depending on that production are already going to be short, and then like you said at the start, we're seeing mines commissioning and. If they don't commission as well as expected, then there's another shortage in there. And, and meanwhile, the demand side doesn't matter. You know, even if Europe and US are a bit slower growing, and China goes through a slower than expected growth, the market's still growing substantially. So people are depending on those. You know, people are depending on those near-term lithium lithium uh, molecules, and and they're probably not going to come as soon as they thought. Do you think Sayana turns off North American lithium? I don't. I don't have a strong view. I don't. I don't know enough. I don't know enough about it. Do you think Arcadium yeah. turns off Mount Catlin? I don't know. I mean, it's it's a harder. There's no signs of that, I guess, in in Australia. But it's um, you know that 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 and you know that goes back to the the disappointment, I guess, on costs. That that was one of the earlier ones to disappoint on costs. I think over the last few years. Uh, but yeah, but you know, it's it's in a very big organisation now, so they can you know, that 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 doesn't need to be profitable to keep running. They can run that for other reasons, or they or maybe they can make it profitable. Well, they'll deplete it and make no money. It's a short mine life, right? Like we we, we think it, it, you know, the Arcadium board, you know, the the two sides just kind of got together uh, yeah. for the first time. You know, at the beginning of this month, I think they're going to look across all their assets and say. Why keep it going, you know, for no value if we can, you know, turn it off and turn it back on, you know, some other time, you know, unless there's some other ways to make it more profitable. I think someone told us that there were some times where they blended it with some other ore and, and you know, they managed to get the cost down and, and make eke out some small profit, but we shall see. Okay. You don't have a, a, a full opinion. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking. I just think. I mean, strategically, there might be a reason to keep running it to, to keep their customers happy, et cetera. Okay, I'm thinking of uh, naming this, uh, the titling, this uh, lithium limbo, you know, how low can you go? Um, what, uh, you know, I, I want to ask you, you know, if you were like, what's your favorite, you know, kind of like rock band song, um, you know, if we were to put this video to, uh, to summarize Trent Barnett's taste. What 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 would what song should we use? Uh, that's a harder question. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna go with lithium. We're, we're gonna go with lithium limbo. Given your yeah. title, um, yeah. you know the lithium price is too low. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Trent Barnett right. uh, of Euras Hartley's. Uh, I don't know that you're on Twitter um, at all, but Euras Hartley's is on Twitter or X now. So we'll flash up uh, the Euras Hartley's handle, um, and they tweeted, you know, th th this your note. Um, but um, yeah, really appreciate uh, your coming on, and uh, hope to have you on again sometime soon. And um, yeah, to be continued. Interesting market times. Definitely. Thank you very much for having me.